We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Uh, well, you are more than welcome. I've been looking forward to this uh, conversation. The doctors called you a miracle patient for surviving a death for almost two hours. What brought on the crisis? Well, what brought on the crisis was that I had a kidney stone that got stuck on the right side and um, went to the emergency room to get it taken care of. And it seemed like it was going to be a very simple procedure like normal. I had a uh, kidney stone four years earlier, and I remember going in and in the afternoon and coming out by that evening and going home. So I figured this would be something similar to that. Um, the difference this time was they decided to keep me overnight because I had a, a kidney infection uh, along with this kidney stone, and they wanted to first get the kidney infection under um, control or eliminate it before they went ahead and did the blasting of the stone or the operation or the procedure that they would do to uh, uh, make me feel a lot better. Uh, you know, the next morning came and um, the doctor never really checked to make sure that the infection was gone. Uh, my wife, which worked in the medical field, um, she uh, gave me my temperature that morning and I had 104 temperature. She mm. did bring it to the knowledge of the medical people, but they kind of overlooked it. And they went ahead and uh, blasted the stone or uh, did the procedure. Uh, after that, um, all of a sudden in the recovering room, I couldn't catch my breath. It was getting shallower and shallower and shallower. I found out later on by the, the doctor that did the procedure that um, the kidney infection was not gone. And when they blasted the stone, they kind of opened up a dam of poison, you know, to go through my bloodstream. And I became what you call septic. And right. according to the medical records, uh, 29 different organs were affected by it. And uh, the major two were the heart and the lungs, which stopped operating and put me in the category of being clinically dead for about an hour and 45 minutes. Wow. Did, did you, do you remember leaving your body? You know, I, I remember leaving my body. Um, you know, this was later on. Um, they had, again, three hours later, they decided things were getting bad and they put me in ICU. And they were going to put me on a, a respirator at the time, you know, the breathing machine, mm. ventilators yes. as we hear today. Um, and, uh, you know, so they had to sedate me and everything. And that's the last I remember just beforehand. And But the next thing I know, I'm leaving my body. Mm. And, and I'm headed to, to this, uh, looked like a window. It was a bright light before me, uh, but it was looking like a window. And I could see it in the daylight. I could see it in the night, of course. And I could see it uh, really, really when I get closer to it, you know, in this really dark area. But it was something else. And, and I could just remember to myself saying, I'm going home. And the peace and the joy and the comfort that came all over me was just just out of, out of speakable words, really. And wow. I wanted to go. It wasn't like I was being forced to go or, or someone said, hey, we're, you know, it's time for you to leave. It was like, no, no, I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see anyone around you, any um, angels or family members to go with you, to travel with no, you? No, I didn't experience that. I've heard of others that have. I just remember seeing that bright uh, window-like light before me and and leaving my body and going toward that is, you know, quicker than you can imagine. I know I was moving awful fast. 
Um, but there wasn't, I didn't see any angels to the right or the left or any family members to the right or the left. I always tell people if they were there, I didn't, I didn't, I knew where I was going. So I wasn't looking back. <laughs> okay. Nice. <laughs> you know, it's like you're running down the road and you said, if you're on the side of me, you're on the side of me. If you're behind me, you're behind me, but I'm going, you know, that type of thing. And so, I, you know, I think the most amazing thing about that was, as you said earlier, as I was going, these prayers that were passing me by, you know, there were millions and millions and millions of them passing me by and they were headed into heaven also. And they were from people on this planet. And, and for a long time, it kind of got me. How come the prayers were going faster than me? They were passing me by like I was standing still. And hmm. the way I could measure how fast I was going is, is to use a Bible verse that says to be absent from the bodies, to be in the presence of the Lord, faster than a person can blink. And yet the prayers that people were praying for me and others were passing me by. And later on, in doing some research, I found out that, um, first of all, God wants us to talk to him, number one. He, he, he loves to hear us. And number two was we were created first to talk to him. Uh, our voice and our, our, and our mouth, you know, was really created to talk to God. And secondary is to talk to everybody else. But first, it was primary made to talk to him. And I come to that conclusion because in Genesis, the second chapter, when he's making man he gives him a, 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 a mouth and a voice. And what for? To talk to the animals? Eve wasn't created. No, it was to talk to him. So that's why our voice and our prayers, you know, were moving faster than me. You know, they were our, you know, our prayers were our communication, first of all, was to talk to God. So it was really something to see those prayers pass me by. It seemed like I was in my river of prayers, those that were praying for me at that time. But they were prayers. I mean, they were all over the place. So it wasn't just prayers for me I was noticing. It was prayers for, and you know what, Lee? The majority of those prayers were from people from this planet that were crying out for help. And, and, and sometimes people think it's just Christians that God hears. And I can guarantee you, it wasn't just Christians that God was hearing. He was hearing everybody. Mm. That's so important for people to realize, especially Christians who sometimes think they're the only ones that have uh, God's ear. But uh, Jesus died for the for the entire world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, when you finally got toward that light you were traveling toward, uh, what did you see? Well, when I finally went into that light, because I went into it like you would go through a door, but really for me it was like entering a window. Uh, mm -hmm. When I entered in, I, I the first thing you know when you say see it was really what I experienced, and the first thing I experienced was this overwhelming, you know what you say could be peace, but it was past peace, and and it, and it, and it was because you know I always tell people there's nothing to be peaceful from. So here I am in a place that doesn't have fear, doesn't have jealousy, doesn't have any negative at all, and and I'm in it, and and it's it's like wow, this is this is greater than I ever thought it could be. Secondly, it was that I fit, you know, I, it was like I was made for that place, you know, I was made to be in that environment. And, and that really got me because of how I just fit, you know, it wasn't like I, I had to go and, and, and go somewhere and get polished up or, or be, uh, what do you say, orientated to, to that environment. It was like you were always made for this environment. So those are the major two things that really got me. And the third one, wow, this was it. Everything there was glad that I was there. I just knew everything there was happy that I was in that in that realm. Wow. And that was really something to, be, to have that experience of everything there, um, being glad I was there. And someone said, well, what was there? Well, there were angels there, of course. There were other 
uh, um, human beings are what we I call the redeemed, you know, children of God there. There were also um, plants and trees and and water and, and mountains and, and, of course, the uh, atmosphere, the sky, everything, you know, but everything there was so uh, past perfect. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that um, everything was living. There was nothing dead. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible, Nehemiah, that says God is the God of the living. And you come to really realize that there. He is the God of the living because everything there is living and nothing is fighting to, to live. And I tell people on the planet, you've got things that are fighting to live. The trees out there, if they don't have enough sun or enough water, they'll die. Well, in heaven, that's no problem for them. They always have enough of everything. If if the uh, you know if the animals don't have enough of this, they'll die. And yet in heaven, everything has enough of everything to live because God is life. And so that was one of the things that really got me when I was there. That everything there was glad I was there and I fit. Mm-hmm. And were you able to communicate with uh, with the angels and the people that you saw? You know, I I I you know I did mostly. Um, you know, my first reaction, to be honest with you, when I got there was I wanted to see Jesus so bad. You know, mm-hmm. that was my biggest desire. So all the other creations, they were there. But my my it's like, you know, like a magnet being drawn, uh, drawn metal to it. I wanted to be where Jesus is. So, you know, my first was Jesus is over there. I'm going. You know, that's my <laughs> first, first thought. So all the other parts of the creation were secondary to me compared to being with Jesus. I did interact with them after I interacted with Jesus, and I I did very little communication in the sense of me talking. Mostly everything was inputting into me, and so I was receiving a lot of information, um, pure information. There was no filtering it out, not trying to understand it. I understood every bit of it, you know, um, came to understand there was a lot more I knew inside of me that I didn't realize I knew, you know, and I really believe that's because God resides on the inside of us. and. And he didn't have to fight through us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when our thoughts are thinking, you know, so so you'd be able to really hear him. You know, that's what I, I think was going on there. So yeah. there was that communication that I had. One of, one of the most unique ones was my grandmother, Mary, you know, was there. And she came to greet me in along with a lot of other relatives that I didn't even know would be there or think would be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what got me. But one of the things she said to me after Jesus was telling me my time was up, and he said, no, it's not your time. Go back. She looked at me and said, bring as many of us back with you as you can. And that wasn't to, to, to you know, go out and reach everybody on the planet. That was to really reach my family. She mm-hmm. wanted her entire family there with her forever. And, and that's what she was mainly saying to me. Now, I reach a lot of other people on the planet, but I also am here to reach my own family. So you had the feeling then that family relationships go on uh, once we're on the other side. Yeah, I, I came to understand that family is important to God. Our family that we're born into is important to God. Those that have been adopted into a family, you know, I tell them all the time, you've been grafted into that family. Not only will you have your adopted family come to greet you in, but you'll have your biological family come to greet you in. Or even friends that, that are really close friends, you can graft someone in. I used the scripture when Jesus told John, that Mary was his mother and Mary, you know, that John was his son, her son, rather. And that was like grafting me in. I uh, used that as, as the foundation for that. 
But I also came to understand, if you think about it, Adam and Eve were made in the first chapter of Genesis, and they were really created to be together forever. <laughs> yes, yes. When I, Lee, when I say that, I think about those family members as, oh, no, I don't want to be with those people forever. <laughs> but the good thing about it is, is you get along. There's no issues. You know, there's none at all. I always tell you, you get to experience family the way God meant it to be experienced. Did you go through a life review at all, Dean? I didn't go through a life review at all. Um, I think what really got me uh, more than anything else, Lee, is when Jesus looked at me when I came upon him, and he looked at me like I never sinned in my entire existence. You know, my belief system before then was there's going to be a book, there's going to be that life review that you talked about. He's going to go through all the things that I ever did wrong um, and bring them back to my remembrance. But he didn't do that. He looked at me like I never, ever, 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 ever disobeyed him. And that was something that I had to, uh, what do you say, uh, reason out when I got back to the planet because I thought, no, 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 no. I always thought you're going to have this big book and he's going to look at you. He's going to let you know all the bad things you did wrong and all that stuff. And, I, and then I came to realize my good works didn't get me in and my bad works didn't keep me out. And the reason for that is I found in Hebrews the 8th and in the, in the um, 10th chapter, it says that when God forgives you, he forgets it. And it's like, if he forgets it, then how can he record it and bring it up to you? And I know a lot of us think, well, he's going to bring it up and he's going to show us all these things. And I, th I think, I think, wait a minute, if that's true, then Jesus really didn't do what he said he was doing when he died on that cross. He said he died for everyone. He died for all of our sins. And God said he forgot it. So I came to realize that if there's a book that's opened up and there's that looking at all the things that you ever did, you know, uh, the, you know, that you would be reviewed about, it would be Jesus's name would be in the place of your name. So when he took it, took it, he really took it. Now, I will tell you when I thanked him, you know, I came up to him and I said, you did this for me. And then I said, thank you, 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 thank you. <laughs> but the reason I was thanking him, it was like all of a sudden there was this, uh, you could say a review almost like, of every place that he was in my life. And the moments I didn't I didn't know he showed up in my life that many times, even before I became a Christian, he was in my life. And, and, and I was thinking, wow, you were there doing that moment. Wow, you were there doing that moment. And I was thanking him for all those things, yeah. you know, but I wasn't looking at the bad things. I was just looking at the good things that he was there for in my life. And I tell people, if I would have known one percent of one percent of one percent, I would have been doing good. I didn't know God was in my life that much. You know, I've wondered about the, that um, uh, quote that says that, you know, that's forgotten, that God forgets a sin, that he's forgiven. And I wonder, does the person that you sinned against forget it at that time as well? Or does that linger in their memory and, and still cause them pain? You know, uh, if they're there in heaven, I can guarantee you it's not there any longer. Um, in heaven, because we don't have jealousy or resentment or any of the the uh, things that you know we would think would that you know would cause um, harm to somebody else or, or pain to somebody else, you just don't have it. I even tell people on the planet a lot of times, you don't have to believe a word I say. You know, you don't have to believe I went to heaven. You know, you could you could believe whatever you want. Um, it, you know, as long as you're born again, though Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you get to go. And when we get to heaven, we're not even going to argue about it. There may be disagreements we have on the planet, but they're not eternal disagreements. It's hard for me sometimes to talk to people 
because they want to make something that a temporal thing, a eternal thing, and it's not, you know, it doesn't get you in, nor does it keep you out. And so a lot of times people, you know, they want to be right. And you come to understand the only one that's really right is Jesus. And you just fall, in, fall into his rightness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, tell us about Jesus. What, um, what did he look like? Uh, how how did, did, did you see him as a, a, a glowing person of light, the way he's often been described? You know, like the, I, like the transfiguration. I see him as a as a glowing uh, person of light, but he was a figure just like we are. You know, uh, he has a body just like we do. Uh, his flesh. You know, I came to understand. You know, we describe ourselves as a, a spirit, soul, and body. And in heaven, no one describes himself as spirit, soul, and body. It's all one now. That's why I believe that Jesus could appear in in his fleshly form. On the planet and then uh, disappear or go through doors because now his his flesh is just as is as is similar to his spirit and his spirit is, is is similar to the soul and so all of that is one it's no longer separated i think that's probably part of the fall that we had when adam messed up that the, the all three of those got separated soul uh spirit and body so when i was there i saw him yeah you could see him he's more beautiful than you could ever imagine and, and it's hard for me to describe that because the moment you look at him, he looks good. And the next moment, he looks better than that. And the next moment, he looks better than that. And the next moment, he <laughs> looks better than that. So by the time I'm describing something about him, that's old news. He's gotten better than that. You know? <laughs> but I think the real thing that I really probably have in common with a lot of people that have ever had this experience is that you experience that love. And there's nothing in this world that comes close to the experiencing the love of Jesus. I like to say it this, I looked at his feet and his feet loved me. And when I came to understand the fullness of the love that God created for me was coming through the feet of Jesus. And I came to understand it wasn't a blanket love. It's individually tailored made. God goes out and creates love for each and every person on this planet so that that person can receive the love that is created for them. It's, I try to tell people sometimes you're in a, in, a, in a gathering or in a service and you feel the presence of God and you look around and you wonder why no one else is feeling it. It's because you're receiving your love. It's that personal. You know, the closest I can come to it is when you read the Song of Solomon, you know, or the songs of, of you know, a song. You know, you read those songs and, and, and you hear the interaction between the two people that love each other. And that's yes. the way it is with God with us. We think it's it's multiple uh, communication to a lot of people at the same time, but he's always individually talking to us. Wow. And, of course, the Song of Solomon is is a very sensual description. It involves sight and all the human sensations. So it's a human personal love that he's radiating as well as uh, the love of, of the Son of the Creator. Yeah, it's 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 even if you think about it from that in the of a human, the five senses were before the fall. So, you know, your eyes, you know, to see your ears to hear, you, you know, to touch somebody, to feel them, to smell them, you know, taste all those were before the fall. They were eternal senses. Uh, you know, they do get perverted after the fall somewhat, but they were all eternal senses. So when you get to heaven, you still have them. And and, and they're they're. Uh, they're what they're doing what they were supposed to do to the utmost so mm-hmm. so you're getting the experience that's why you know i say experiencing the throne of god because it was more than just me seeing it i experienced it through all five of my senses 
you know, and there was nothing to impede my senses from experiencing the fullness of what they were created to be able to experience. So it's, it, you know, a lot of experience in that, but the reality of it is, is that um, I, um, I was just, um, what do you call it? Um, um, you know, trying to really get people to understand that that's what you do, you know, is that right. you get all these senses and they're just experiencing. I think you, at some point, you said you basically dropped your knees. So you you had a spiritual body as well. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You still have the form. Most of us don't realize we still keep the form we're in right now in the sense of what we look, but we're not deteriorating. And so it's hard to describe that because most of us, even from the day we're born, you know, we start saying how old we are, which means you know, we start deteriorating in, in a way, even though a child is growing and, and, and we think, oh, but those cells are still dying as time goes on. Well, in heaven, nothing's dying. So you'll still have the form you have, but it will be in a way that it never deteriorates. Some people say it looks young. It looks better than young, just like Jesus. When I got there, he looked good. You know, the next morning, he looked better than that. When you get there, <laughs> you'll look good. And the next yeah. moment you look better than that. And the next moment, and someone said younger. I said no. It's because there's no time in heaven, so it's not like you're old or you're you're young. It's just that you. Yeah. The best way I could describe it is when I get to that scripture it says from moving from glory to glory. Yes. So when you saw your grandmother, for instance, did she appear elderly, or was she back in in her prime with the way she looked when she was thirty? You know, uh, she looked beautiful. I, I don't know uh, what she looked like when she was 30 years old. I can just tell you that she <laughs> was so beautiful. And I didn't really, you know, you don't really, um, what do you say, recognize somebody by their sight. You recognize them from your heart, you know. Uh -huh. And the best way for me to describe that is like a mother having a child. And I've always heard these mothers say, I don't have to be in the next room to know that's my child when they're crying. You know yes, I mean? yes, exactly. They just know it's their child and they move, you know. I really believe we come to that senses of really seeing people, the way the Bible really wants us to see people today. We look from the outside and, and of course, we get prejudice and all the other things that come along with that. But he really wants us to see people from the heart. What are they really like, you know, from the inside? And when you start seeing people that way, you can approach them differently. Well, that's the way it is in heaven. You, you only see people from, from the inside. One of the scripture references I used to, to support that is when um, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and yes. here we got Elijah and Moses that showed up, and the disciples or the apostles knew who they were. You know, and how did that happen? Because Jesus didn't introduce them, but they knew who they were. And the reason they knew who they were is because they get to see them from their heart and not from just sight. Yes. Now, when you looked at Jesus' feet, was there any mark from the crucifixion? Oh yeah, they were there. You know, all the all the marks that, that we you know we read about, they're there. Um, but again, uh, let's say it this way: ain't nobody up there trying to prove it's Jesus. You know, mm. <laughs> like show me your hands, like Thomas did. You know, they, yeah, that's right. They are really, you know, it's him because of that love he has for you. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. You know, and it goes through all these things. And what does it say? That comes through who Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, nothing nothing can separate from the love of God, brother. It, it comes through Jesus. And I mean, it, it's so, you know how you said that it was that light figure? It was just, that light was coming around me. One one time I had a question say, did Jesus hug you? I said, everything about him was hugging me. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a wonderful experience. Um, 
Now, uh... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Were, were you able to look into his eyes? What did oh, his face man. look like? You know, I, when I looked into his eyes, John describes it really well in Revelation. They're that fiery color. I'd say they just were... They were changing all the time, different colors all the time. But that's how flames do. If you look at them and they're flickering, you get all kinds of colors and flames. But I'll tell you what I really saw in those eyes. I saw the love that he has for me, like I'm the only one he loved. And what was got me was I knew he loved deathers. That wasn't the issue. But it, again, I was receiving my love. And then all of a sudden, this was got me, Lee. I changed my thought to somebody else like my wife. I remember, and I would see the love for her like he only loved her. And then I changed the thought to like my mother and I would see the love for her like he only loved her. Anytime I would change my thought to think about somebody else, I would see the love for them like he only loved them. Mm-hmm. That really got me. Yeah. And this is what I said to him. It was one of the few uh, uh, conversations I had with him, but I said, you really do want everybody here. <laughs> okay, now that leads directly to my next question, which is if Jesus is the gatekeeper, uh, he is not just admitting Christians to heaven, is he? He's looking at the hearts of, of everyone that dies. What what he's looking at is that it, he'll give everyone the opportunity to receive him into their hearts. You know, we say those are Christians, okay, uh, on this planet. But anyone that seeks him, he said, will find him, okay? So if they accept him as, as their Lord and Savior, he will he will come into their heart. Now, we always have the, the formula. You know what I'm talking about? You got to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, then you're not going to be accepted. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. And so, and, and, and I'm not saying people shouldn't have some kind of guideline. If, if that's, you know, people need that to help them move in that direction, that's good. I just remember when I came to know Jesus at the age of 17, I was reading my Bible and I read the scripture that said, you know, that take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And I, I wasn't a Christian at the time. I, you know, we didn't go to church on a regular basis. Someone gave me a Bible three or four days before I ended up being laid up for a while. And I got to that and I said, we can learn of you, God. And I said, if this is true, I said, if this is true, I want it. And at that moment, I felt like God came into my life. Later on, people explained what took place, you know, but I had a sincere heart to accept Jesus at that moment. And he came into my life. I believe this is one of the the things. I don't believe a person leaves this planet without that opportunity. You know, and and, and if it's if they but they ain't heard of Jesus, and they, but you see, you're looking at it from a a, a, a a earthly point of view. I'm looking at it from a heavenly point of view. I saw how much He wants people. I don't think God would let anybody leave this planet as much as He wants them without first giving them the opportunity. It may look different to people, but He's going to give them the opportunity. So if someone in a non-Christian country, for instance, is just looking for the God of love, the personification, the spiritual personification of Jesus, without it having that name, he still recognizes them, doesn't he? Um, yeah, and most of the time they end up with the name. You know what they call Jesus in heaven? What's that? Savior. Ah. 
Perfect. That's what they call him in heaven. But if you look at the word Jesus, and it means Joshua, and then we look at the word yes. Joshua, what does it mean? God's salvation. So his real name is Savior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if someone is earnestly looking for salvation in their lives, that they'll find him no one matter. way or another. It will happen. It will, because he wants it more than they do. That's yeah. the thing people don't realize. You know, we, we go by our our expectation, of, but you go by God's, he wants it more than they do. And if we get in the way, he going around us. <laughs> Is that good news? I mean, I, mean I, I get the opportunity because of this experience to go so many places to share. I even shared among those with, which we would call would be the opposite of Christianity, which were witches. And they wanted to know what this experience, and they asked me a ton of questions, Lee, a ton of questions. Okay. Mm. And and they told me I could not bring anything up about the Bible. I had to uh, just talk to them. And, and I agreed. And I know somebody said, why would you do that? Well, I did tell them I had to refer back to my spiritual book, you know, which happened to be the Bible. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they said that was fine. They were okay with that. And so I talked to them. They asked questions for about 30 or 40 minutes. When I got done, they looked at me. They said, you changed our perspective on Jesus. You know? Oh, Excellent. And I'm not saying that they sought it after, but that to me was God's way of saying, I'm opening up the door. You're seeking yes. this. I'm going to open the door for you. And I never forgot that. But I've had so many encounters with almost everything out there in the saints of groups to be able to open up that door for people so that they could, because he wants them more than I do. Well, you said that I think that he was planning uh, with his angels Yes. how to to bring more people to him. Tell us a yeah. little about that. Well, when I was there, when I came upon him, he was strategizing. And how he was strategizing wasn't like people would think, you know, with a council and he's asking people for advice or anything. The Bible even really says that he's the great, you know, um, extraordinary strategist. And so in saying that to you, he came up with a plan and he was having two uh, pieces of the army, I call it the army of God, implement the plan. There's the heavenly host, which is what we call the angels. And then there's the earthly, that's us on the planet. And he was getting those to agree to go after usually a person. You know, um, I think Paul in the Bible is a good example of that heavenly host um, joining together to go after a person. You had Jesus himself really show up in, in to Paul's life. And then you had Ananias, which was the earthly part, told to go there and, and finish the job. <laughs> so, so, you know what I mean? Yes. But the yes. reality of it, I believe that happens to everybody on the planet. I believe right. everybody on the planet has the heavenly host is opening up the door, and then someone from this side moves in that direction to help that person um, to come in contact with the Father like he wants them to. You know, uh, so I say that to you, and there's story after story I could bring up because I've read them, I heard them. Because you had this type of experience, you're kind of like, okay, God, is this really real, or is it? Am I just kind of like coming up with stuff? <laughs> you know, <type> of stuff. <laughs> but then I, now, I hear of different people that had the same yeah. experience in the sense, not dying and going to heaven, but you know, they had experiences that proved that yeah, God's after them. You know. Now at this point, I guess uh, Jesus tells you. Uh, no, it's not your time yet. You have to go back. How did you yeah, feel? He, 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 uh, the, really, he told me three times. And each time I would go back to what I call the edge of heaven. And, um, 
my body wasn't ready and I was so glad each time the first two times the third time I went back but the first first two times it was like oh good I'm glad I'm staying you know I even <laughs> thought about it later on in my hospital room three strikes and you out remember that old statement yes I would think it's three strikes I'm in I should have been in <laughs> so, <laughs> it didn't happen that way but when he finally when I finally left I remember him looking at me and saying no it's not your time go back everything in front of me moved out of the way like they were all saying, he's not talking to me. He's talking to you. I remember the power coming from him. It was, I mean, the power was greater than I could ever express. It went inside me and felt like total comfort and peace. I felt like a soldier. I had been in the military, the Air Force, and I, I knew how to take orders. And I remember kind of like, I didn't do this, but I felt like I put my hand up and saluted and say, yes, sir. <laughs> and now. Uh, um, people always say, you know, you didn't have a choice. And it was like, I didn't choose a choice. And the reason I didn't choose a choice, because he had done all this for me. I felt like, why wouldn't I do this for him? You know, and I remember coming back. And once I left that realm, I felt like a baby crying all the way back to the planet. I remember seeing the room being people running around doing things. Um, someone told me recently, really, what they were doing was getting the death certificate together and and uh, putting things ready, putting their tools away, you know what mm. I mean? They figured I was gone. And then all of a sudden I drop back in my body and then they rush over and start working on me again. But because uh, <laughs> of the beat goes, you know, but I remember that whole thing. I remember this was kind of weird. I remember coming and hovering over my body and looking directly down on it, like face to face and then flipping over and, and, and going in my body backside. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I don't know why I did that. You know, maybe I thought, well, if I go in front, where's my face would be on the other side? I better do it right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just remember that. And um, and then I was out of it. They drugged me up. I was on the ventilator, so I couldn't talk. And the next moment I heard, this was days later because they transferred me from one hospital to another one, put me on dialysis for 24-7 because my kidneys had gone. You know, everything died. And the uh, next thing I hear is my wife saying, pee, honey, pee. You know, because I started peeing, you know. <laughs> and she said, pee for your family, pee for your friends, pee. And she was yelling yes. in my ears. <laughs> no one so, wants to be on dialysis for the rest of their lives, that's for sure. Yeah, so that was, and I was healed off of dialysis. And so a lot, all those things that went wrong with this body were all healed. You know, I didn't have any side effects. I wasn't taking any more medication after all this or anything. So wow. the miracle patient. Yeah. Well, Dean... We are out of time for today. Um, tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and your ministry and your uh, book, In Heaven. Well, you know, I, I got a website called deanbraxton.com. You can go there. It has the schedule. You know, I do a lot of traveling, so people can uh, look on the schedule and see where I'm going to be. Um, they could do it that way. And then um, if they want to communicate with us, they can always email me through that same website. It's all there for anybody. Um, we really have five books out in heaven, you know, and then we have um, uh, what it feels like to die, describing what it's like to die as a, as a person that knows Jesus Christ. I always tell people, I can't tell you what it's like to die as a person that doesn't, only one that does. And then I um, have a book called Deep Worship in Heaven, telling you what it's like to be around the throne of God, telling our Father how much we love him. And then I have one that's called I Need You There, Saying the King. It's a coloring book, storybook for the kids, kind of opening up the story to them. And then oh, my nice. wife wrote a, wrote a book called uh, A Woman's Stand, which tells you what she did to get the results she wanted, 
you know, uh, for me being back on this planet. And they're in um, all the forms except for the coloring book, but they're also in audio if you want to download them and just listen to them. I oh, think terrific. I'm really good at listening part. The people did a great job that read them. So, Did you record it? I had someone else do the recording. I, we went through a, a company and, and then my and then we interviewed a number of people and and they recorded, you know, so Yes, you have an excellent voice though. It would be really interesting, I'm sure to hear you read your own books for the audio they, version. I do have a book uh, coming out probably this year, what it's like to meet your family in heaven. So mm -hmm. maybe I'll do that one. All right. Excellent.